Peace to you. Thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth. It's weekdays. So we're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament. Uh, the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. We're going to begin with verse 1. If you want to read along with me, let's begin. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So Elisha is the person we're talking about. He's the Old Testament prophet who's sort of taken up the ministry of Elijah, who was carried away in a UFO, as we say in plain English in modern times. Uh, the way it's described, a fiery chariot is how he made his exit in the Old Testament, Elijah. He'll reappear in the New Testament as John the Baptist, according to Jesus. Um, but that's who Elijah was. Now we're talking about Elisha. He's now giving a prophecy about um, things to come for the people. So some preachers will try to make you believe that some of these prophecies are still waiting to happen. These are prophecies that they were given to the people back then so that they would know when they came to pass. So they recognize that the person who gave the prophecy was a prophet. So it wouldn't make sense to give people back then a prophecy they, that wouldn't come true. Um, uh, nothing but prophecies that wouldn't come true for thousands of years. That wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't be relevant to the people. Um, but that's where we're at. He's given them a prophecy about the inflation they've been experiencing. This seems to me would be something welcome in modern times if suddenly a loaf of bread was selling for 99 cents again or um, things like that, or gas was selling for a dollar a gallon again like it was in the 1990s, not that long ago. Um, it would be nice. but um, So that's what the people are getting news of, that the inflation is about to burst that um, there's going to be an abundance of things and that the flour and the wheat and the provisions that they used to have to pay so much to get so little for are now going to be available abundantly. Verse 2, so an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So now one of the people, the governmental officials, the officer, who is next, who has the king's attention, um, has approached Elisha and basically uh, mocked his prophecy, saying, if God would open windows in heaven, then sure, this could happen. Basically expressing his doubt about what the prophet just prophesied would come true. But the prophet responds quickly to him, letting him know, oh, it's going to come to pass, but you're not going to, and you're going to see it, but you're not going to get to take part in it. Pretty harsh and swift. Verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until... Okay, so they're sitting there saying, why are they sitting there until they die, is what the leprous people are, um, are discussing with each other. Leprosy, like we've discussed already, skin disease is communicable, it's contagious, and so the people who are, um, are positive with it uh, have to socially distance themselves. Um, not just for um, um, societal reasons, uh, health reasons, but also religiously reasons. They're required to socially distance. We've gone over that before. Um, so they're questioning, what are they doing just waiting to die? Verse 4, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. And if we, and if we sit here, okay, so I'm going to have to read over this. Uh, okay, so let's read it again. 
verse 4. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and shall die there. And if sit here, die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill, they shall only die. So, um, sorry for butchering that. I'm trying to read it as best I can. Um, and still make it make sense without saying the words that might uh, end up manifesting for me. What they're saying, though, is if they don't, they have to do something. They're saying if they go into the city and they're attacked there, then all the, the worst that can happen is they'll be killed. But if they stay out and starve, the worst that can happen is that they'll die. So they're saying they have nothing else to lose. They might as well go ahead and risk it and um, do what they have to do. Verse 5, And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. So now the leprous men decided that time, desperate times, desperate measures, let's just go, in, go ahead and approach the Syrians and see if they'll give us some refuge, see if maybe they'll accept us, see if they'll do anything to help us but kill. Um, and then when they got there, it turned out that although the camp was there, the Syrian soldiers themselves were, were not there. Verse 6, For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack. So the narrator here is letting us know that what's happened to the camp of the Syrian army, why they aren't present, is because the um, narrator is saying uh, that the Lord scared them, basically spooked them with the thoughts or the idea, the belief, that there was a huge multitude of an army that was uh, rising up against them, the Israeli army, and that that scared them so much uh, that they fled. So um, before we move on, just curious about what Lord is being translated from here in this verse by the narrator. So let me just look for it. You can see it is um, being translated from the word Adonai. It's not in all caps. It's capital L, Lord, O-R-D. Um, so it's not Jehovah like we read previously, uh, the word Lord in all caps being translated from, in this case, it's a different word. Is it a different deity, a different entity? I don't know. I don't know. But that's what it's being translated from to the English word Lord. And so the narrator is saying that the Lord is who's intervened here and caused a spook to um, scare the Syrian army to run off and, um, and um, you know, to their surprise and desert the actual camp where they were. Um, let's see. And in belief that the Israeli army had hired Egyptians to, uh, to work with them uh, in their war effort. So they fled. So verse 7, therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. And they fled for their lives. So again, the narrator is letting us know that's what's happened to the Syrian army. They fled because they heard a rumor that the Israel army of Israel had all teamed up with or gotten the Egyptians to team up with them um, for the war. Verse 8, And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, 
they went into one one tent and ate and drank and carried it carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it so now the people who were uh, ostracized from ostracized from society the lepers who were marginalized because of their condition are the ones who ended up stumbling upon the Syrian camp that's been deserted and deserted in a hurry because all their uh, valuables were left behind. They were that terrified of, from the rumor they'd heard. Um, and so now the ones collecting the booty are the five lepers who happen to go there to the camp. So we can see in a big picture since how the tide has turned for them. They went from impoverished and moder- marginalized to uh, wealthy beyond their imagination. They were able to go back twice now and raid the camp of the Syrians because they're being unopposed. Um, So that's what they've done. But you can imagine where this probably brings to mind an instance in what we read before where someone got hold of the booty and hid it away and it ended up costing the whole uh, uh, nation a slaughter, according to the narrative. So let's see how this one turns out. Verse 9. Then they said to one another, We're not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So at least one of the people in the crowd of the lepers realizes that it's not right for them to just personally benefit from the blessing that the whole nation just received. If only that was mentality among people in America, instead of continually enriching enriching people who don't need it at the cost of people who do, if only the tide would turn like that and the inflation would burst and the wealthiest, comfortable people would still be comfortable, but so would everyone else because things were balanced. It would be so nice. but it seems they're on the cusp of it right now because they've decided it's not righteous for them to only enrich themselves and hide away the riches of the loot of the people who they were terrified of. So what do they do? Verse 10. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact. So um, they've gone back to report to the army, the Israel army, that um, what they found when they went to the Syrian camp, how it was deserted and how everything was left intact, including the livestock. So the Syrians must have really fled in terror to even leave the livestock and the valuables behind and run for their lives. But that's what they're reporting. Verse 11, and the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So as close, apparently as close as you can get to the king, just like in modern times with the political officials, the closest you can get are through channels. You, they're firmly and uh, protected against anyone getting too close to them. Um, so you have to go through intermediaries. So similarly, they're going through gatekeepers, same sort of gatekeepers that exist in modern times that uh, limit what gets to be mainstream and what gets to be marginalized. So they contacted the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers have shouted out the message back to the king's household. Verse 12. So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done. 
they know that we're hungry. Therefore, they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. So now, more doubts among the king's household. He believes it's an ambush. The king does. He believes that they're only, they've only pretended to leave their livestock and valuables behind, and that he doesn't trust the word, the message that's being brought back from the five lepers that they went to this, uh, the camp and raided it, basically. They didn't admit that they raided it, but they, <clears throat> excuse me, but that they had encountered it and saw it was deserted. So the king has his doubts. Verse 13, and one of his servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are in left in the city. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. So someone in the king's crowd is saying, look, it, they're desperate times. There's only five horses left in the whole city. So what have you got to lose? Why don't you just send a delegation and go see if the report is true? Um, it, might, it may be that we'll uh, be enriched by going to see. But at worst, all they're going to do is continue to starve. Verse 14, therefore they took two chariots with horses and the king sent them in the direction of the Syri Syrian army saying, go and see. So again, desperate time because the king gave in to the advice, good advice to at least just go see what's going on. Verse 15, and they went after them to the Jordan. And indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. So just like the five lepers had reported, the soldiers, the reconnaissance soldiers, have gone back, gone and seen it also and reported it back to the king. That indeed, the soldiers have abandoned everything, lock, stock, and barrel. Verse 16, then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seed of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seeds of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. So um, once the news got back to the king's household, the whole city, everyone, got word that, oh, it's true, the Syrians are fled, and they left all their stuff behind. So everyone in the city has gone now to loot the Syrian camp. Lord here, by the way, in all caps, is being translated again from to, from the word Jehovah or name Jehovah, whichever you prefer. Um, not Adonai anymore, just, uh, you know, so you'll notice. But the other thing to notice about verse 16 is the fulfillment of the prophecy that the prophet gave at the beginning of this chapter. Just like he had told them the inflation would burst and uh, now their uh, famine and want would be over. They'd be having abundance of the grains that they were looking out for uh, would happen just like that. It's happened. It's come to pass. It's come true. So verse 17. Now the king had appointed the... Now one other thing. I don't know how much time passed between um, the start of this chapter and, and verse 1, or you know, the prophecy, and verse 16. But either way, the prophecy has clearly come true. Verse 17, now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said. 
who spoke when the king came down to him. Wow, so that's the other part of the prophecy. The first part was that the inflation would burst, and it has. Now there's an abundance of grain for the people to get there at a low cost again. Um, so that part came true. But then the second part also came true to his dismay, to his peril. The officer who had the king's attention was at his right hand, who got the prophecy, who doubted the prophecy when it was first given, uh, got trampled by the very people who the prophecy benefited. He was left in charge of the gate, that same officer, uh, but the people trampled him to get to the food. So just like the prophet told him at the beginning of this chapter, he would see the prophecy he gave come true, a bursting of the inflation bubble, uh, but he wouldn't get to enjoy it. He got trampled in the gate, so he didn't get to enjoy the new uh, relief from the inflation that people were experiencing because of his doubt because he expressed his doubt, not just because he had doubts, but probably because he manifested for himself with his spoken word in expressing his doubt, it seems to me. Verse 18, so it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seeds of barley for a shekel and a seed of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. So now the narrator is reflecting back again on the words of the prophecy given at the beginning of this chapter that just like the prophet Elisha gave it, said it would happen, the inflation would burst, the measure of flour and wheat and barley would be sold uh, for cheap now, um, it's come true. Verse 19, then that officer had answered the man of God and said, now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he, and he had said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So now verse 19 is the narrator of this chapter going back over the prophecy also that it came true, that the inflation would burst, but also that the officer who doubted would die before he'd get a chance to enjoy it. Verse 20, and so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate and he died. So the narrator here in verse 20, the last verse of this chapter is letting us know and just like the prophet told that officer it would happen, it came to pass and happened. The inflation burst. The officer witnessed the inflation burst, that the cost of the commodities decreased to something reasonable and cheap and affordable again. But he didn't get to enjoy that relief from inflation. Um, he died when the people trampled him. It all came true. All in this one chapter. This chapter is over, though. As always, thank you for reading along with me. I hope the Naked Truth is a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. I love you and appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. God bless you. Peace be with you.